please turn with me in your copy of the Scriptures to Proverbs chapter 8 this morning. Proverbs chapter 8. The series that we're in is entitled, God, a Rescue. God has rescued us by giving us wisdom to know how to walk in this world. How many of us need wisdom? We all need wisdom and we need wisdom for every part of our life and every moment of our life. And God knows that and He has graciously decided to give us wisdom in His Word. The book of James verse 1, chapter 1, verse 5 says that if we would call upon God to give us wisdom, He will not chide us. That is, that He will not withhold from us wisdom. He won't mock us for wanting more wisdom. He won't hold back and, and scoff at us that we are so, such simpletons in need of wisdom. No, it says, James 1.5 says that we would call upon God and He who is a generous God will pour out upon us wisdom in a, a liberal way that is in an abundant way. Far too often we as Christians walk in this world like simpletons and fools because we have not asked God for wisdom. Or, we have not listened to the wisdom that He has given to us in the very Word that He has delivered to us. Oh, that we would be a people shaped as Providence Church, a people shaped by the wisdom of God, but certainly even by the living wisdom of God. And Jesus is the living wisdom of God. And that is the title of the message this morning, The Living Wisdom of God. Jesus is the Word of God incarnate. And this morning that's actually going to be part of the theme as we discover that and, and really walk through this passage together. But in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22, I ask that you follow along as I read until the end of the chapter. Proverbs 8, 22. The Lord, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of His work, the first of His acts of old, Ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before He had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. When He established the heavens, I was there. When He drew a circle on the face of the deep, when He made firm the skies above, when He established the fountains of the deep, when He assigned to see the sea, to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress His command, when He marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside Him like a master workman. And I was daily His delight, rejoicing before Him always, rejoicing in His inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep My ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to Me, watching daily at My gates, waiting beside My doors, for whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Thus says the Word of God. 
Would you pray with me this morning? Oh, Father, that we would have ears to hear the cry of wisdom this morning. Give us ears. Father, by the hearing of the Word of God comes faith. And this morning, may the Word of God be crystal clear to everyone in the hearing of it. May it drive, be driven deep into their soul. May it be a counselor to their mind. A consolation to their heart. Oh, Father, we pray this morning that You might, might magnify Christ in the Scriptures. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God's wisdom is beyond comprehension. It is far beyond any human comprehension. We, not, we cannot conceive the limits. We cannot conceive the breadth and the depth of the wisdom of God. Isaiah 55.9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so is the wisdom of God. God has done nothing without wisdom. And by God's wisdom, all things exist. This morning, as we look into this passage, we're going to understand a truth about this that ought to, that ought to um, teach us something about living in wisdom. Wisdom is the key to successful, wisdom, to, to successful living. Wisdom comes from having a personal relationship with the Lord. And when we live in wisdom, we live a righteous life. When we live in wisdom, we live a life that, is, that, we, truly, that we are truly alive in fearing the Lord. This morning we're going to be looking at wisdom as it's a personification in Proverbs chapter 8. Um, and following along through this chapter, we're going to notice that, that there's another writer of Scripture that, that understands the wisdom of God to be the very Son of God. Now, in the book of Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs, at least here, is, is personifying wisdom. And we're actually going to find out that that he personifies wisdom as in using female pronouns. She cries in the street. So we know that in this sense, the, the direct author of Proverbs 8 is not saying that wisdom is the coming Messiah. But now as we have seen Scripture unfold, and as we have seen even the writer of John bring to us the Word of God in John 1.1 Logos, on his mind is the fact that Jesus is God's wisdom incarnate. And I'd like for us to walk through in this message this morning a parallel, a parallel of two passages. And in so doing, I'd like for us to become informed in our study of Proverbs so that from now on, as you walk through Proverbs and reading Proverbs, that when you see the word wisdom, that you think Jesus Christ. I think we can easily see that, that God is, is sharing with us not something impersonal in wisdom, that God in sharing wisdom with us is sharing Jesus Christ with us. And so let's walk through this passage this morning and see that we can find some parallels. And, and uh, on the screen is actually going to be the passages paralleled next to each other. And let's begin in verse number 22 to see this. That the, in the beginning, in the beginning, we notice in John 1, John begins his, his book this way. It's actually a, what we would call a prologue in his book. But John indicates that in the beginning was the Word. 
And in Proverbs 8, verse 22, we see that the writer of Proverbs says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of His work, the first of His acts of old. Both are indicating that there is a before the beginning. The, the idea of possess, possessing does not mean uh, that, um, that there was a time in which God did not possess wisdom. It indicates that wisdom was always with the Lord since even before time. You see, this is very different because you and I live in a world and we are created in such a way that wisdom for us is different than it is wisdom with God. You see, man, we need to learn wisdom. We need to receive it as a gift. We need to learn wisdom. But God never lacked wisdom, nor has He learned wisdom. Wisdom has always been with God, just as even the Lord Jesus Christ in eternity past has always been in the divine counsel of God, in the Godhead. God never lacked wisdom, and He never learned it. The idea of possessing me at the beginning of His work is is a metaphorical term. It's the idea that wisdom comes forth from God, even if we can take this, if we can hold multiple metaphors in one moment. Can we do that? There also is this metaphor as if a woman is birthing a child. That God is the originator. He is the one who has birthed wisdom into our world. This way, even if we would take it to a more of a devotional thought, might indicate to us even the incarnation of Christ who had entered into our world. But the writer is more clear than that. In the following verses, he's recognizing that there is a beginning of the wisdom and that reminds us of our message last week and really the thesis of the book of Proverbs. The beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. We recognize that the beginning doesn't mean a chronological beginning. It means the supremacy or even the best thing about. And so when we use this definition and we even find this uh, here in verse 22, the beginning of His work doesn't always have to indicate a chronological term, but it means the supremacy, the best thing about God's work. It is the thing of greatest importance. And the fact is, the truth is, that wisdom is and was involved as the best thing in God's creative work and ways. Wisdom is the best thing in God's creative work and ways. As this relates to us in our own lives, we can know that God has not made a decision in the effect of our lives that has not been without the best of wisdom. That there has not been a moment where God has only given to a second best wisdom or made a third choice about a circumstance. That God in all of His ways acts in perfect wisdom. That there is no secondary wisdom. There's no plan B. There's, there's no uh, alternative. There's no second choice. There's no leftovers, so to speak, in the wisdom of God. And in verse 22 here, we recognize that God possessed wisdom at the beginning of His work in such a way that it, was, it has always been perfect. It has always been of the supreme excellence in the category of all best things. 
It is what you could say the luxury of God is the divine and perfect wisdom without any flaw. Now you and I in a fallen, broken world are always having to make decisions and always having to maneuver in circumstances according to wisdom. And many times we're having to make second and third and fourth in at least our own economy of thinking choices. We're having to settle for something that's imperfect or broken or flawed. But God in His wisdom, even, by the way, in the fallen and broken world, never has to relegate His wisdom to a second best choice. Even while we are sinning. Even while the world is unbelieving. Even while the world is wickedly rebelling. God's wisdom maintains it's perfection, and He is accomplishing all of His works in all of His ways in infinite, flawless wisdom. And He always has been. So even since before the fall, when there was perfect wisdom that He possessed, when the fall happened in this world, God's wisdom wasn't shaded. God's wisdom didn't diminish in its flawlessness. All that we as believers would really hold to that. That biblical understanding that God's wisdom still is perfect. That God's wisdom is still without flaw. That God's wisdom is immutable. It is unchangeable in its quality. That there is nothing that could ever take away from God's wisdom. No matter what has befallen you. And so the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work. John continues on to say, And the Word was with God. Notice in verses 23 to 26, the Proverbs reads this way Ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before He had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world. We see this, that wisdom was an exalted part of God's nature even before the world was formed. Now I know this is, this is hard for us to comprehend on a Sunday morning with some, some good coffee in us even. But what were the works of God before He created the world? And I don't know. What was the wisdom of God exercised in before the creation of the universe? And I don't know. But God was not incomplete and in needing to make the world. God was, is the eternally self-existent, the I Am. He was completely satisfied in the counsel of His love and personhood and complete in all of His perfections, needing of no community outside of His own before He made the universe. And to think that God's wisdom was exalted even before, before 
In our thinking, there was something for him to do. God was already, always, ever, from everlasting to everlasting, living in wisdom. So you see, our point of incredible crisis and trauma between everlasting and everlasting, our Monday morning crisis, do you think He has wisdom for it? Do you think the Almighty, who had wisdom that was already operating before wisdom was applied even to His creative acts of making the universe, do you think that God can handle our Monday morning trauma? Oh, this wisdom, it's measureless. It's measureless not just in quantity, but in quality. Oh, it's everlasting wisdom. Like our Savior Jesus Christ, who John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God before the beginning. And he says, He says, verse 24, when there were no depths that was brought forth, we were reminded in Genesis chapter 1, reminded that the world was out without form or void. It was void. There was no form and substance to the world. We don't know all of what that, what that would indicate to us, but we recognize that God is sets apart. He is set apart from this puny universe. I think it's Isaiah 55 that says that he can hold all the waters of the earth in the palm of his hand. How great is our God. And he stands outside of the universe and yet he enters into the universe and he measures the depths and he stretches high the mountains and he spreads out the valleys and the prairies. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In verse number 27 to 29, when He established the heavens, I was there. When He drew a circle on the face of the deep. When He made firm the skies above. When He established the fountains of the deep. When He assigned to the sea its limits. So that the waters might not transgress His command. When He marked out the foundations of the earth. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus, Jesus was involved in making this world. In Colossians chapter 1, the writer of Colossians, the Apostle Paul indicates to us that Jesus was part of this creation, that He was in and through and for this creation, that all things consist by Him and for Him. But this wisdom had framed and made and all of these things. But God is not only apart from His creation, it's called transcendence, but he is also involved in his creation, and that's called imminence. 
And so often we sing songs that take both and are almost like a seesaw. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. And that gives us even the sound of it. Helps us to, to just ascend and say, say, God, you are transcendent. You are so far from us. A mighty fortress are you. We're just puny. But there's imminence. John takes both in his Gospel and he says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and the Word was with God and without Him was not anything made that was made. Do you recognize that in God's wisdom and in His perfect wisdom He made things and He made you and I? And that nothing was made without the wisdom of God that was made? And nothing was made by God, listen, that was not made with Jesus Christ. And when we recognize all of the roles of Jesus Christ, one of the roles that we certainly covet and that we certainly enjoy as, as followers of Jesus is that He is our Savior. Now, He is a Creator and He is Almighty and He is all-powerful, but to think this, that of all those things, He is able to simultaneously be many things. Judge and ruler of this world, King of kings and Lord of lords, and Creator, and also Savior at the same time. And in all of those hats, He wore this. Listen to Jesus' prayer in John 17. And now, Father, glorify Me in Your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. What was the glory of Jesus like before the world existed? I confess to you, I'm asking you another question that you don't know the answer to. But this was the desire of Jesus. It was His desire that the will of God, that the glory of God be, be uninhibited, be unlimited even though in the moment it seemed so dark. He goes on, Jesus does, later in His prayer in John 17, verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom You have given Me may be with Me where I am to see My glory that You have given Me because You loved Me before the foundation of the world. The glory of Christ before the foundation of the world. Listen is known to us in part right now, although through veiled eyes and faith. But the glory of Christ before the foundation of the world will be fully realized by you and I when we are with the Father. That limitless, perfect glory of Christ has never diminished. It didn't diminish one iota on the cross in the darkness of shame and guilt of our sin. The glory of Christ will be known by us who are followers of Christ. Not only known, but listen, it will be pure delight to be in the glory of Christ without any inhibition or limitation. The second truth I want us to look at this morning is Christ is God's light and life for man. Christ was God's Revelation, he was his publication of wisdom from man, but also we see in beginning verse number 30 that Christ is God's light and life for man, just like wisdom is. 
In Him was life. Notice in verse number 30, Then I was beside Him like a master workman, and I was daily His delight, rejoicing before Him always. Let me read that again. Now think of it as, go ahead and think of it as Jesus Christ saying this of Himself. Then I was beside Him before the foundations of the world, like a master workman, and I was daily His delight, rejoicing before Him always. This even seems to even resonate a little bit with us in um, in Matthew three sixteen and 17 when Jesus is being baptized and the Father speaks out and the Spirit of God descends upon Jesus and lights on Him like a dove. And, and God says, Behold, this is My Son in whom I am very well pleased. And it doesn't mean that there could be someone even more pleasing or as pleasing. He's giving a superlative. I couldn't be more pleased with this, My Son. Do you know that the Father loves the Son? And when Jesus prays in John 17, as we had said in John 17, 5, Jesus says, Father, put the love on them that you have for me. Do you know the love the Father has for the Son? Do you know the reason why God created you is because He loves His Son so much that He wanted to make brothers for His Son? His love exudes beyond Himself to make even greater of a family. So great is His Son. He wanted to give His Son an inheritance. He wanted to give His Son a brotherhood. And the word workman that's used here is the idea of a craftsman, but it means that the Son was useful or the wisdom was useful in instrumentality and usefulness. And And can we go to the Song of Solomon's on a Sunday morning? The Song of Solomon, Solomon says, Psalm 7, 1, he says, How beautiful are your feet and sandals, O noble daughter! Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a master hand. Master hand, same word used as, as craftsman here, or workman, master workman. Solomon has this on his heart, even as he's, he's been telling of the beauty of his bride here. But this is the word that Solomon uses in Proverbs 8. Like a master workman. And it says that I was daily His delight. And in Hebrew, the word His, the the possessive pronoun, is not even there. It's helpful for us to read it there, but listen how it would read this way in the Hebrew. I was delight itself. I was delight. Now you and I, we have delight in something, right? In a little while, you'll have delight, hopefully, in a really wonderful lunch. Or some rest later today. You'll have delight in that. But here, wisdom and Christ are said to be delight itself, not needing any external Material, not needing any external circumstance, not fluctuating between lack of delight and delight, like a hunger pang and being full. There I was beside him like a master workman, and I was delight itself, rejoicing before him always. I was happiness itself. 
In him was life, John says. Go back there. In him was life. Life. Like it was meant to be lived in Jesus Christ is life. Like you haven't lived until you know Him. You might have a pulse. You might have all the vital signs. But until you know Jesus, until you're in Him, you don't know what the light is. The light itself is. You don't know what it's like to live until your life is in Christ. Thank you. And the life was the light of men, John says. And verse number 31, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. Will you consider that last phrase there for a moment? Delighting in the children of man. This ought to be one of the most humbling sentences in all of the word of God for us. That God would find delight in the children of men. That the God who, before the world was formed, had wisdom, and wisdom was its delight itself, not needing any external material or circumstances or situations in order to bring delight. He was delight itself. And yet, this God is willing to be and happy to be delighted in the children of men. Now, who are the children of men? You and I. We fill up the delight of God. And all of us are just left undone by that. Rejoicing in His inhabited world and delighting in the children of men. And the life was the light of men. It is God's pleasure to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ into this world. It is God's pleasure to see Jesus lived through you, in you. He delights in those that are in Jesus. And I know we don't feel like we're much of a delight at times. But I am reminded that our God is not moody. Where in one minute He's mad at you and another minute He's happy. But our God has perpetual delight in the fact that we are hidden in Jesus Christ. He delights in the children of man. John continues on and says, As many as received him. And verses 32 to 34 in our passage, And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. You see how, by the way, the writer of Proverbs says wisdom just is thrilled when someone comes into the house. When someone responds to the invitation, wisdom is clicking its heels with delight. 
the gates were open and wisdom is so hospitable and so thrilled that someone would come through those gates and come into her home. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Blessed is the one who listens to me, who is waiting beside my doors to come in. As many as received him, and Jesus is thrilled to receive sinners. Just like wisdom is thrilled to receive a fool and instruct a fool so that a fool can become wise, just, so, just like you and I in our simplicity, in our naivety, in our stupidity, and even in our folly, just like wisdom is thrilled when we become wise, Jesus is thrilled to receive sinners. Absolutely thrilled. To them He gave power to become the sons of God. In verse number 35, Proverbs says, For whoever finds Me, finds life. The first part of verse 35 says, Whoever finds Me, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Now, in this, in this passage, the writer of Proverbs has been careful to tell us and he will tell us many more times throughout this book that wisdom is not hiding. That wisdom is not playing a hide-and-seek game. That wisdom is not trying to be elusive. No, wisdom is crying in the streets. Is shouting out to everyone, come, come in, everyone's welcome. Broadcasting it in the most public way, in the most, in the most uh, pervasive way. And so this finds is not the idea of, aha, I was following this treasure map, it was such a riddle I had to solve it, but it's whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. And it's simply put in gospel terms, who has believed upon me, who has entrusted themselves that I am what I said I was, I am wisdom, I am the Son of God. I am the Savior. And they obtain favor from the Lord. Notice, notice that the person does not have to buy wisdom. Notice that there's nothing in exchange for wisdom. There's, there's no price put on wisdom here in verse 35. The only action on the part of the person who doesn't have wisdom is to, is to believe upon the wisdom, to receive the wisdom, to accept the wisdom's claim. To possess the wisdom. And that there's nothing that this person can bring to get, to get the wisdom. There's nothing to gain the wisdom by because the wisdom is priceless. That is, it, there's no price high enough. We have an economy where we, where we purchase wisdom from an attorney. From other people, or counselors, or, or lawyers, or different ways in which we buy wisdom Maybe even a degree, a college or a high school degree. We, we spend money to get wisdom. But this wisdom has no price. And it's freely offered for all who will hear the voice of wisdom and come. And to find it. 
But the one who does not believe, has not entrusted himself, is condemned already. John 3.18, John the writer of We've seen in John 1, the same writer says later on, as Jesus would say, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever finds wisdom is not condemned, is included in the favor of God. But whoever does not believe, whoever does not find, whoever fails to find, is condemned already. This is Jesus' words in John 3.18. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And so verse 36 reads this way, but he who fails to find me, who does he injure? Let me say this to, to you who may be listening this morning, and you have, not, you have not entrusted yourself to the saving power of Jesus Christ. And you might feel like you're sticking a thumb in someone's eye. That you're going to tell God what's what. Or you're having a little bit of a, uh, uh, like an ego or a rebellious spirit towards others around you. Maybe even Christian influences and Christian witness. And you are living in rejection of the gospel to teach them something. To show them life can be lived without God. That you can be happy. That you can have peace. Notice what this verse says. It says, He who fails to find me injures himself. You see, the the one who says, I'm going to teach others that they don't need God and I, I'm, I'm going to even maybe even try to try to hurt you know someone in that testimony. Really, the only injury that is taking place, or the first injury we could say, is that you are harming yourself. And that is a very sad thing to say to you, because it is very hard for those who have been healed to see those who are sick hurting themselves. But he who fails to find me injures himself. And I want you to understand that failing to find is not something just able to be shoved under a rug. Because he continues to say, all who hate me love death. And the idea of death there certainly is a physical meaning to death. But it is greater than that is they love destruction. They love corruption. The word find in verse 35 is obviously the opposite of failing to find. But the word find, failing to find, could be summarized in in an Old Testament word that would be called trespass. It reminds us of the definition of sin. Sin is missing something. You see, in verse number 36, but he who misses me injures himself. Do you know what sin is? Sin is missing out on the happiness that is found in Jesus Christ. That's what sin is. You say, I'm a pretty good person. I have a a list of things that I'm doing. I'm not perfect, nobody is. And I I could tell you some things I haven't done. And especially right now in the chapter of life, things are going pretty well. I'm pretty good right now. I haven't always been, but I'm pretty good right now. But do you know what the biblical definition of sin is essentially this? That sin is missing out on finding happiness in Jesus Christ. It's missing something. You see, those who don't find wisdom aren't just dumb. 
Verse 36 says, they are wicked and treated as such by a holy God. 2 Timothy 3.15, Paul tells Timothy that, that the scriptures were given to make wise to, to, to make wise people who are wise unto salvation. If you want to be truly wise, you will understand the wisdom of God in salvation through Jesus Christ. It totally humbles us. And by human reasoning, the gospel is admittedly humanly illogical. And we as believers and as Bible Theologians, biblical theologians, are willing to admit that all day long. I don't know why God would save people like us. But the wisest decision a person can make is to trust in Jesus Christ alone for the saving of their soul. Let me say that again. If you think you're a brilliant person, if you think you can outsmart God and dodge His ways, if you think you can shortcut His rules of living, if you think you cannot live outside of God's demands and commands, the fact is, you're not wise. You're missing. You're missing wisdom. The wisest thing anybody can do is to trust in Jesus Christ alone for the saving of their souls. John would write in another book, a shorter letter, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. You think you have life because you're checking your pulse? If all you consider to be the definition of life is your pulse then my friend, biblically, you're dead. Because only those who have the Son have true life. There is mercy of God this morning as you hear this message, to hear this, that God has, is standing saying to you, enter into the gates. This wisdom is not exclusive. It is inclusive. Come and receive it. There's nothing you can you have that's worth enough to pay for it. He's paid it all. Now I want you to see what happens when someone receives wisdom. So the writer of Proverbs goes into chapter 9. So let's read chapter 9 verses 1 through 6. So wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. You see, to those who receive the wisdom of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ, listen to this. There is a feast in store for you. 
And brother and sister in Christ this morning, if you have walked with Jesus for any amount of time, you can understand that living with Jesus Christ is a feast that He has prepared. It is like sitting at the table and enjoying goodness that we have not prepared. A beast that we did not raise and slaughter and prepare for on the table. A wine that we did not mix. A table that we did not set. A home that we did not open. But yet, we are invited in to sit at the table and feast on the riches of the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we could not buy. But by faith we enter into those doors and sit at the table knowing we are totally unworthy and yet invited and called accepted. We know this. That wisdom comes from the Lord. And as we had said before, it stems from having a personal relationship with God. God gives wisdom increasingly to those who walk with Him. Especially according to Proverbs 2, 6-9. through 9, God gives wisdom increasingly to those who walk with Him. But know this, that wisdom and righteousness are indivisible. So lest you think wisdom is, is merely um, something that is academic or something that is clinical, we are... We note in chapter 8, earlier in the passage, turn with me there, that wisdom is a basic ingredient in righteousness. Earlier in chapter 8, in verse 6, the writer says, Here, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. You see, wisdom is an ingredient in righteousness. You cannot know wisdom without being righteous. You cannot have wisdom without the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So wisdom isn't merely a noble or moral thing or a topic of virtue or prudence. Wisdom from God involves is an essential ingredient in the righteousness that has been given to us in Jesus Christ. Righteousness. Righteousness means something that is set straight. Something that has met all the obligations. Something that has satisfied. And God has the power and He has all the will to make those who are crooked, those who are wayward, those who are simpletons and fools, to make them wise unto righteousness. Wisdom results in righteous living. Notice in verse number 20 of this same proverb, Proverbs 8.20, I walk in the way of righteousness. I walk in the way of righteousness. We may think ourselves wise, but if we are not righteous, We are not wise. 
we may think ourselves righteous. But if we have not been purified by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are not righteous. Nor are we wise. Believer, entrust yourself unto not merely the written word of God, but the living wisdom of God. Pursue Jesus Christ, and in Him you will have wisdom. Let's pray.